Hello, and welcome to the How to Get an Analytics Job podcast. My name is John David Arianson, and I'm your host. I'm what you would call a practicing professor. I have years of experience consulting in the analytics industry, and I have years of experience teaching analytics in the classroom at Greensboro College. This podcast is an ecosystem that I developed for my students so that they could get world-class career advice from leading analytics experts. To date, my students have got to ask questions directly to analysts and data scientists from Amazon, Apple, and Google. They've even got to talk directly to CEOs, CMOs, and presidents of companies who have been former clients of mine to get insights on how senior managers use data to drive their business decisions. If you're interested in becoming one of my students, check the links in the description down below. I'm currently offering two programs. One is a one-month career services program, and the other is an analytics apprenticeship program associated with Greensboro College. In both of those programs, we take a three-tiered hybrid approach. So you'll have access to pre-recorded asynchronous lectures, live group lectures in a cohort setting, and one-on-one coaching with experts in the analytics space. On average, our students are gaining about a $16,000 pay increase going through the program. On the high end, we've actually helped someone achieve a $54,000 pay increase. This means that on average, our students are recouping their investment between one to two months of landing their job. So if you're ready to take your career to the next level, click the links in the description and apply for our program. I would love to get to work with you. With all that being said, I hope you enjoy this podcast episode. Hello and welcome to the How to Get an Analytics Job podcast. In this podcast, we talk to experts in and around the analytics industry. One week, we may talk to a data scientist from a FANG tech company. Then the next week, we may talk to a data engineer or business analyst, or even I may pull one of my consulting clients so you get to hear from an executive on how they use data to drive business decisions day in and day out. My name is John David Arianson, and I'm the founder of Silvertone Analytics, which is a boutique consulting agency that focuses on analytics for medium to small size businesses. I'm also a professor at Greensboro College, where I teach analytics. Most recently, I have founded the Greensboro College Analytics Apprenticeship Program, which melds these two job functions together. This is your opportunity to work directly with me and one of my clients. The Greensboro College Analytics Apprenticeship Program is a three-month program. In the first month, you're going to be completing the Analytics Foundation Certification backed by Greensboro College. Then in month two, you're going to be taking that knowledge base that you developed in month one and applying it out in the field where you're going to be working with one of my client's executive teams where you're going to be solving a business problem using data and analytics tools. Then in the third month, we're going to bring it all together with a full month of career services. Now, this is going to be quite a bit different than the typical career services at a university or a college. Here, I'm going to help you build a professional brand around where you are as an analyst. So in the first month, you have worked with a ton of different data sets. We're going to take the data sets that really resonate with you to help you hone in on your ideal entry-level job. We're going to build a Tableau public portfolio around that area of expertise. We're going to razor focus your resume and LinkedIn. And I'm also going to coach you on how to talk about yourself in an interview setting. So if you're ready to break into the analytics space, 
head over to learn.silvertonianalytics/apprenticeship and there you can learn more about the program and if you're interested you can apply with all that being said let's start the podcast episode hello and welcome back to the podcast so this week we've got George Mount who is a you're just a huge heavy hitter in terms of like creating analytics content because we were just talking off air George, apparently you like the writing aspect of it, of just like sitting in a room and cranking out content to where I geek out more on like, like we were on the uh, StreamYard interface and I was like clicking buttons and I was like, oh, this is cool. That's cool. So how are you doing, George? I'm doing well. Yeah. You know, I just feel like there's so much of a technical overhead with things like video and audio. Some people like it. I just want to sit in my cave and write so that's probably the most bohemian take you'll get from me today. <laughs> uh, but always happy to, to be here. This is my second podcast on the show with John David. Uh, cool to follow what you you all are up to. And uh, yeah, we see some people here already. So this is great. Awesome. Yeah. I, and I've kind of figured out now how to like incorporate people into the chat. So we got Matt Brad here. So this is cool. And I love this because people like now can contribute to what's going on in the conversation um and i mean this is just it's also live so it's kind of risky you know like george this is live so make sure you don't put your foot in your mouth (laughs) okay yes i will count to 10 and be very measured here yeah just just gather yourself (laughs) all right so advancing into analytics so you're you're out with a brand new book so tell us all about it here it is uh if you don't know if you see an animal on a cover, it's probably with O'Reilly Media, who is a well-known figure in the tech publishing area. Um, I've been working with them for a few years now. They do all sorts of things on their learning platform, uh, webinars, courses, this and that. So things have moved to doing this latest book. Um, the idea with this thing is I, like a lot of people, I'm assuming many on the stream too, use Excel a lot. That was, it's often the gateway to analytics. And I always wondered why is there not a more straightforward learning path from Excel into programming? So Python, R, things like that. And, you know, this book was really my answer to that. It was kind of a, an unmet content in the space that I didn't find. So uh, with O'Reilly's help, it's, it's here now. Uh, really happy to uh, share with everybody. And if there are questions, this and that, I mean, we've got the, the time here to talk about this and uh, technical skills more broadly. So as people, especially looking for an analytics job, uh, how do you think about technical skills? How do you think about the market? There are a lot of new tools and technologies coming, a uh, lot of things to learn and choose from. So uh, how do you think about, you know, what repertoire you you pick up as, as a new analyst? Right, because Excel is pretty much like, ubiquitous like almost any company you go to is going to have excel because it's kind of the bridge between the technical and the like business person in a company absolutely yes and i find that it has a valuable and vaunted place in what i call the data analytics stack so there's a chapter in the book on what i would consider to be the major tools that analysts use um 
it's the age old thing where, you know, spreadsheets are good for some things, but not others. I think that that's really overlooked, especially with the technical elite. So we'll think about developers and programmers, you know, they're the ones often using things like Python and you, you wonder, Hey, why is there not a clear learning path or why is there not a more straightforward bridge from Excel to R, Python, something like that? I think often, unfortunately, that bridge gets burned just out of straight <laughs> contempt, uh, because, uh, developers kind of put their nose up at Excel, but I think that that's overlooking a lot of knowledge that people really have about data from using spreadsheets. There's a lot that can be gained and transferred, and there still is a place for spreadsheets in what I call that stack. So uh, if anybody listening is going to take one thing out of this, it is, you know, don't, don't pitch Excel. You know, you're probably going to hear that when you're learning about analytics. People are going to just hate on Excel. And I would really discourage you to think, oh, you know, I don't need to know Excel. I should never use Excel. Um, so that's the that's the, the hot take for right now. All right. So I thought this was kind of cool. And this, we haven't done this yet where you sent me like a loose outline and I basically took the thumbnail, put it into a LinkedIn post and then kind of okay. use this as a scaffolding for the conversation. So I think let's cover that first question. To what extent do technical skills still matter what role will low slash no code tools have for an analytics role? Okay. Yeah. So this is the time where I have to be careful since we are live, as I know this is a <laughs> controversial area. So we all know about our low and no code tools. Um, I'm thinking of things like Alteryx, Tableau. I mean, there it seems like there are more and more of them coming. Often the promise is that they are backed by AI and there are some cool things if anybody uses Power BI and if you, you know, clicks, you know, uh, show me sales by quarter and a, a graph pops up. I mean, that's pretty cool. That's pretty productive. Um, I, I guess could be called a little more contrarian with some of these low and no code tools. I think that mm. often the uh, product when we talk about low, no cool, no low and no code is really just a, a GUI. And, right. uh, you know, think of something like Power Query, right, where you're pointing and clicking and actually under the hood, you know, you are generating code. So you are able to actually get under into the code and make any changes that you need. So it's GUI on the surface, but under the hood, there is some code. And that's a pretty established, I mean, even think about VBA, there's the macro recorder and this and that. So a lot of, a lot of this isn't really new. This is not like a new technology paradigm. Um, we always see that, you know, GUIs kind of help people do maybe 80% of the work, but then there's always that extra last mile that, you know, you may need to get in under the hood and, and code it and kind of do it yourself. So I don't really see that changing. Um, I don't exactly know how AI fits in with some of these low no-code tools. You know, there may be other media. Maybe there will be something like mixed reality, uh, other media in which people interact with data. Uh, but at this time, I think that, you know, there's it's a little overwrought, all this idea of, you know, you don't need to learn how to code. Technical skills don't matter, this and that. Um, I think anybody who's tried to do pretty basic things and, you know, Power Query or a lot of these other tools have had to get their hands dirty. If they need to go off that path just a little bit and do something a little custom, you still need to have some technical skills. So um, I would say I'm a, I'm a little less uh, fan-ish about some of these low and no-code tools than, than a lot of people are. Yeah. I've, so I was actually having a call with um, Shashank Kalanithi last night. I don't know. If, have you heard of Shashank? I do not. Yeah. So his, his YouTube channel, uh, this keeps happening. So like I'll meet like Alex the Analyst or Tina Huang or now it's Shashank. 
and they're smaller than me. And then they hit that critical point where they like hit this critical mass and then just blast off to the moon. So when he came, came on the podcast, he had like 2000 less followers than us. Now, two weeks later, he's got like, I don't know, five or 6,000 more. It's the, the way that these algorithms work is wild, but we were having this conversation about he's so I, I think what's cool or what's novel is that most of the content that, like, for example, you're a content creator. Do you use your own data to use in practice sets or like real data? Because like all of that's like under NDA, right? We're going to take a quick pause from the episode so that I can give you some more information about our career services program. Over the last four years, I have developed a very effective approach to teaching the foundations of analytics. And I've taken that same curriculum from my case studies and business analytics class at Greensboro College and turned it into a career services program. So if you've ever thought to yourself as you're listening to this podcast, man, John David's students are really lucky. You can have a very similar experience to them. Just check the link in the description down below. My career services program offers you an analytics foundations curriculum. So this will shore up any gaps in knowledge that you might have in landing either a promotion or maybe even your very first analytics job. And then you get to work one-on-one with me to help build your personal brand. So we will look at your resume and also help you develop a customized portfolio. All right, let's get back to the episode. Yeah, so... I usually just use the standard issue, UC Irvine, Kaggle kind of places. I mean, I don't have a, a lot of internal data that's uh, well uh, sampled big in terms of quantity and things like that. But um, I, I do make an important point of trying to get, you know, real life data. I think that simulating things, you always lose a little something. Um, but yeah, that's, right. that's where I go. So the conversation I had with him last night, which I guess for those who are listening, this is like a little sneak preview of what might be coming up the next few weeks, is that I pulled all of my Udemy feedback data. Mm-hmm. So on Udemy, I've had, I think around, I think it's 35,000 or 45,000 people take my courses and I've got about 4,000 um, reviews. So I took out all of the private information and just yeah. left like the reviews. And I think Shashank may, he's going to look at it and see if it's even a big enough of a sample size for him to do some sentiment analysis with, but we got, we keep getting on off on all these tangents. But one of the tangents we got off on was um, I am definitely guilty of being like technical skills are overrated or they don't matter as much. And he kind of threw this metaphor of um, you need to think of it like you're a carpenter and you have a hammer, you have a screwdriver, you have a drill bit. Um, It doesn't make sense to be a hammer specialist. Like if you're the, the guy who specializes in just hammering, then you're kind of missing the point. Like the point is to build things. And I, I loved that metaphor because I think it's more nuanced than something I'm recognizing is that people are spending, like let's say that there, there's a pie of how much time and energy you have. They're spending, I would say, three quarters of that pie on technical skills where they should be learning business acumen. They should learn how to Um, actually communicate um, what they're finding and how to read people and, you know, how to kind of kind of grow their career. Um, What do you think of that, that kind of tool metaphor? I I think I really like it, but yeah, absolutely. 
Um, so as far as tools, just in the technical sense, I would go there first in that diversifying your base into what I called in the book, the data analytics stack. So, you know, I called spreadsheets, databases, BI tools, and programming languages is kind of the four major categories of tools and, you know, really spreading your efforts so that you have what I would call a T-shaped approach there where, mm -hmm. you know, you have some knowledge with a lot of them and then you go deeper into other, you know, specific slices, tools, things like that. Um, but as far as the the technical area versus business and other things, oh yeah, I mean, I read the Wall Street Journal every morning. Uh, I, I love business and I think that that's one overlooked myth with data analytics is, oh, you have to be a tech nerd for that. I mean, really anybody who likes to solve business problems, uh, you know, enjoys communicating. Uh, I was terrible at math in school and look at where <laughs> I am too. now. So yes, I think that there are valuable uh, skill sets that can definitely be polished and uh, people can, you know, do more than just technical things. I mean, data, data analytics is uh it's just a means to an end all these technical things right you know we've got a, a greater end in mind than, than just learning how to code for example awesome so okay um i, I pulled uh, marshall turner's question into the chat um because we're so we're still trying to figure out the best way to do q a so marshall if you can stick around for the next i don't know it may be 45 minutes to an hour and then we'll get to the q a section if you, if you can ask a, wait around and ask a question there, I can pull those questions into the live chat. But if you can't, if you have to hop off, what you could do is leave a super chat, which is where you, if you look at kind of where you leave the post comments, there's a little money icon. And what you can do is pay, I don't know, $5 and it will highlight your question. And we're still trying to figure out how best to navigate this. But if um, you can't ask the question in real time and you're going to have to hop off, um, I think, I don't know, maybe Hunter, Hunter, who's my intern, is on the call. Uh, I think I'm going to ask him to go back and, and see if there are any super chats that we should kind of circle back around to. Because um, this is, uh, we're still, you guys are watching me iterate and like try new things. <laughs> so, okay, we are taking questions, but the Q&A section is going to be um, kind of once we get through these main talking points. So, all right, let me, how do I get off of that? Okay, so, all right, let's go on to point two. So how should a person looking for an analytics job interpret the market of analytics tools? I love that question. Yeah, so I think this also goes to some of the points we've talked about already. Excel is still a valuable tool set. I bet you could even call out people and many of their claims about Excel. If you ever hear someone say that Excel isn't reproducible, it's not really true anymore. You have Power Query. Power Query busts a lot of these other myths, like uh, you know you can't work with unstructured data in in Excel, things like that. So think about that. You know how are people talking about Excel? Is a good one. Um, you know what are some of these low and no code tools? Uh, you know, how long have these been on the market? So when you're hearing about them, you know, think about, you know, how much do they cost? Uh, you know, what's the, what's the cost to you to learn them? Uh, open and closed source. So just understanding at a basic level, what does it mean to be open source and how are companies using open source now? Um, I think that understanding these kind of uh, technological, like the mindset, the community, the philosophy is actually really important, you know, to understand 
uh, what are the pros and cons of open versus closed source uh, tools and you know how are companies mixing and matching them we'll talk about that concept in a bit but you know even thinking about Microsoft and looking at how it's uh, opinion on open source has evolved over the years and what does that mean for you as an analyst how can you integrate open and closed source tools uh, in your workflow so yeah again just thinking holistically uh not kind of falling prey to the excel bashing mode <laughs> and but also i think uh thinking somewhat skeptically of some of these newer low and no code tools thinking about can they really deliver what they're promising and at what cost too because i see some of these licenses and subscriptions and think you know what like if you just took a few weeks to learn uh python or something like that you could probably get your money's worth versus a subscription to some of these other <laughs> uh, solutions there's a lot of other things to think about you know there too but yeah i think that learning to code is still valuable and i think that was related to one of our other questions too yeah. Um, and we may have talked about this in the last podcast episode where you came on, but that was like, what, over a year ago at this point? It was a while ago. Probably. Yeah. Um, so have you ever heard of Excel being referred to as like the great data democratization tool? I have. Yeah. Um, I think it's such a good gateway into learning other things. It's also a really good teaching tool. So, you know, the way I think about this is that a lot of professions have some kind of wireframing tool. So UX, engineering, you know, just a way to get your ideas out there, prototype. I mean, we hear about the lean startup and minimum viable products and prototyping a lot. But then when it comes to data, you know, we don't want to use Excel, but it is a perfect prototyping, wireframing, sure, you may not want to put an Excel-based model in production, but, you know, to just kind of understand, really see, you know, how things are working and fitting together, it's such a good tool for that educational prototyping uh, MVP kind of a mindset. Um, in the book, I've got a chapter on some of these really foundational theorems in statistics. So, you know, central limit theorem, law of large numbers, probability distributions, going into Excel and actually building them yourself, kind of seeing them, you know, come to life, building these little models and dashboards and things like that. So um, I think that Excel has a lot of, a lot of things going for it. Um, and, you know, I would say that Microsoft's probably smarter than a lot of us here in the room and look at the huge amounts of money they're putting into the features, adding new things. And I mean, they're not just, they're not sunsetting it. They have no plans on getting rid of it. So I don't think any of us should either. Yeah, well, I guess kind of where I was going with that is that if you know Excel well enough that you could teach your manager or maybe even like a C-suite executive how they can kind of catch their own fish and find their own insights within Excel, I think that is a like a huge pro, pro tip in terms of it shows that you know the technical acumen and you know it well enough that you can distill it down and say, hey, you know, I see that you have this problem regularly. Here's here's a way that you can actually find this yourself instead of having to email me. Um, you can actually start to figure out these these insights on your own and kind of build out some infrastructure. Because that's really where I built out my consulting agency is um, building out enough of a, well, it's in Tableau, which I think Tableau and Excel actually have quite a bit of overlap in terms of just, they're so easy to learn. You know, I. I mean, I guess they're, they they have slightly different functions um, and strengths, but um, just having, because what, what happens in that situation is that you kind of develop a two-way street of here's the data, 
here's where you can find the insight. They'd start doing their own digging. They have more questions. And then you kind of strengthen that relationship and you go from just doing an ad hoc report that they send to like, now you have kind of more of a systematized approach to it. Yeah, it's a big cultural change. And I was thinking about this recently, you know, we think about the first and second industrial revolutions and things that seemed impossible and not in your job description to do or just taken for granted. So, you know, imagine people learning how to drive a car for the first time and thinking, you know, I'm not qualified for this. I don't want to, you know, why am I doing this? It's not part of my job. And now we just kind of assume that people can drive a car for most jobs. You have to get yourself Mm -hmm. places. And I think that using a pivot table, I mean, I've been in organizations where, you know, the going, uh, opinion was, well, we can't send a pivot table to the boss because, you know, he won't know how to use that or something like that. And I'm almost thinking of things like that as the new kind of the new data industrial revolution as the equivalent of like a driver's license or something like that. And yeah, you can say, oh, I've never done that before. And that sounds hard and that sounds dangerous. But at the same time, uh, it's just going to be taken for granted by the next generation. And it's just kind of a minimum requirement for even being it's table stakes for being in in this economy. Um, so yeah, but at the same time, you know, having that empathy and being able to do that, uh, you know, with grace and building that relationship, like you said, is important. But yeah, I mean, this is the the new industrial revolution that, right. that we're going through. And, uh, you know, some of these tasks are new, but um, they are going to be just the way people do things. Perfect. Yeah. Well, it, it is going to be interesting seeing um, what the definition of an analytics job even is. Like, is it is because because I think right now most of the audience is probably they have a strong emphasis on I am technically sound or I know how to how to crunch numbers and then they learn the business acumen side of it to where I think what's going to be happening over the next 15 20 maybe even five years is that increasingly people who are just like marketing or salespeople are going to have to know that skill set and that's going to be it's I think right now it's probably something that gives them a leg up, but eventually it's going to be to their detriment if they don't adopt that skill set. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Let's hop over to question three. What role do R and Python have in an analyst tool kit, if any, and do you need to know them why or why not? Okay, another hot button here. Um, <laughs> so as I openly admit in the book, okay, advancing in analytics. Wait, can uh, I pause you there? Which yeah. one's better, Python or R? Let's oh my God, that's another <laughs> uh, real brawl out there. I might touch on that later. You'll have to listen for it. Okay. Um, okay so here's the book, Advancing in Analytics, that I, I recently published with O'Reilly. Uh, you may be able to see the subtitles from Excel to Python and R. Um, I think when a lot of people hear analytics these days, A, if you're not in the space, you think Google Analytics, which is interesting. I can't tell you how many times I say, oh, I do analytics, and people ask, oh, is it like e-commerce stuff? I say, uh, I say oh, it could be. I mean, that's one use case, but it's not right. the only one. So that's the first question. The second question is, okay, analytics, so you mean BI, right? That's usually the almost a synonym, right? We talk about analytics and then BI, so Tableau, Looker, Click, all that stuff. Um, but you know, this book I'm actually doing Python and R. These usually aren't considered data analytics tools. You know, they're usually more of the data science people is what they do. Um, 
So I say in the book that you can be an awesome analyst and not know Python and R. But I also say that you can use them as part of what I call that, you know, stack. So um, depending on what, again, just it, it's up to the use cases. Um, you know, as far as the R and Python debate, you know, I think you're going to see more mixing and matching of those tools themselves. Just as we've talked about using open and closed source tools, using, you know, different slices of the stack together. There's actually a new O'Reilly book coming out in a bit that's about integrating R and Python together. Um, but I would say that having some statistical acumen as an analyst is pretty important. Um, you know, being able to think through experiments and interpret results and models and things like that. Um, and anything with, you know, hypothesis testing or, you know, building basic predictive models, I think are really hard to do uh, outside of, uh, one of these things like Python or R. So I've always enjoyed statistics. I think a lot of this, again, I also say in the book, you know, all these tools are valuable. So just pick the ones that you like. I mean, if, if you get into Python and R and you just think, you know, I don't really care about statistics. I don't really know if I enjoy to code. I don't know, learn how to make dashboards, do something else. I mean, because they're, they're all so valuable that it's not mm -hmm. like, you know, you're gonna, uh, you have to do one or the other, but I think you do have to be diversified a little bit. Um, and that, you know, you should know, uh, the basic landscape of these tools and what the pros and cons of all of them are. Um, so I think that that answered the question there while gracefully <laughs> gliding over the R versus Python. Uh, I was about to say, am I talking to an author or a politician here? Because that was very, uh, middle of the road. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but okay, actually I did want to, um, bring up. So we ha we recently had a success case of someone who pivoted from, and so she's a childhood friend of mine, Molly Welsh. And what's funny is I always mix up, she got a degree in environmental science and I always mix up geology and geography. I think she does ARC GIS, which I think is geography, but she was working kind of in a non-analytics related field. Then we helped her um, kind of build up some base level. I mean, really, she just built out a Tableau portfolio. And within two months and only two interviews, she got her first entry level data science job where she was, she's now a data scientist for a disaster relief firm. So I thought that was kind of interesting about um, in terms of the, the actual technical tool set. She didn't even know Python yet. She had like taken three quarters of a course. And what's funny is like um, in one of our um, recent episodes, she talked about how like she even admitted in the interview, she was like, yeah, I got three fourths through this one course. And I realized that like it wasn't effective at teaching me. I, I just like wasn't. But I guess the fact that she had, well, number one, she, she, she showed that she knew the context, but then also she showed that she was coachable or teachable. I mean, is that how much, how far does that go? Like how, how far can you signal that I am willing to learn and I'm hungry versus like you just need, I guess that, that, that'll probably get you an entry level job and probably not an intermediate or a, a senior level. Yeah, that's really interesting as far as what, what constitutes a data scientist. So we think about people learning data roles and the, uh, the common refrain is, you know, Hey, I don't want to be a data scientist. Why do I have to learn data? Right. And that's, I don't want to call it a cop out, but you know, there's a lot of fear that goes into leveling up your data. 
Um, at the same time, you know, we, I think, undersell what data analysts can do and think, oh, hey, they can't do R or Python. So we kind of, uh, you know, overstate some things and understate some things. Um, so I think that, you know, yeah, as a, you know, data analyst, you're looking into the field, R and Python are totally in play for you. That doesn't mean that you're going to become, you know, an AI expert. And if you pick up this book, you're not going to become an AI expert. I'll tell you right now, the, the statistics in here are pretty basic, but they're very powerful. I think if you have that framework for, like I said, understanding and experiment, you know, like we talked about thinking through sample sizes, thinking through the hypotheses and things like that. You know, these are pretty old school uh, techniques, but they're still super powerful. And uh, I think that if you have that base level, I mean, I, I really try to focus on those fundamentals, right? Like if you're a musician, learning the scales, right? right. You know, just learning that basic repertoire. And then, you know, not everybody's going to be a virtuoso, but if you know the scales and you know the repertoire, then you're a pretty good musician. So I think if you can prove that, yeah, you don't have to go into a, uh, an interview trying to be some, you know, AI virtuoso. If you can go in there and play your data scales, which I would say are, you know, like hypothesis testing, thinking through an experiment, knowing what kind of visualization to use and things like that, explaining what a P value is, you know, there are studies that most scientists, people who've been in science their whole lives cannot tell you what a p-value is so just if you can do things like that then yes you have a lot of value and i think that's one of the the takeaways from the book and and a lot of those things are you know kind of like data science i mean you will learn in here how do you you know build a train test split and validate uh, a model that's usually more of a machine learning data science thing but you know some of these distinctions are useful um in theory but then in practice they start to blur and, you know, everybody's just kind of working in the trenches together. I think that's another thing you're going to see is these cross-functional teams, right? You have technical and non-technical people that are working really more of like a product management kind of framework. Um, and, you know, a lot of these lines are going to blur away. Um, so I would say that, yes, there's a lot to be said for, you know, just having the more conceptual framework at hand and you know calling yourself a data scientist or whatever you know whatever your title means these days uh you if you know this stuff then you'll get a job yeah fair enough all right number four let me scroll this up a little bit so you guys can see do r and python replace tools like excel or tableau do they support them in some ways how do you pair these tools together also how do you rank and file excel users to develop their technical skills? Yeah, wow, I asked myself a lot of questions. <laughs> um, oh. Okay, so I guess the first thing is that we talked about Excel being this wonderful gateway tool to learning other analytics techniques. So you've probably done a VLOOKUP in Excel, maybe you mm -hmm. have or not. You've probably maybe put a pivot table together, things like that. Um, those are daily, data cleaning and analysis operations in any programming language, right? So uh, left out or join, right? We do that in Power Query, you do that in SQL, you do that. So, you know, what I'm trying to say here is that, you know, these are all just almost in a way different dialects, the same language of working with data. So if you can take these, you know, they're almost like I call them meta skills, right? They're the skills about skills, about just understanding how to work with data, how to clean it, how to apply statistical thinking to, to what you're working on. Um, so that's the first thing in terms of the, the learning that. And I think that, you know, again, this is the book 
uh, advancing in analytics that I have recently written um, that does walk you very smoothly through that. Like, oh, hey, you know, I filtered rows all the time in Excel. How do I do that in R? How do I do that in Python? And we'll go through the same steps. So, you know, you'll really be recreating your end-to-end -end analysis in Excel, R, and Python. I mean, cross-training is as valuable in data just as in, you know, working out. Uh, so that's the first thing. As far as you know, combining them, you know, we've talked about this a few times, this idea of, you know, using R and Python together, using proprietary and open source together. There's a lot of great stuff. There's another O'Reilly book that's recently uh, come out called Python for Excel um, that has some overlap with mine. And it's really showing you how to use Python and Excel together to make the most out of them. You know, Excel is a great tool for, like we've talked about prototyping, getting things out to end users. It's accessible, it's approachable. Um, you know, Python's great as kind of this duct tape or glue for working with all different kinds of applications, you know, connecting to databases, you know, building graphs, whatever, whatever you need to do, you can kind of patch it all together with, with Python and then, you know, putting Excel into the mix as the, you know, almost like the front end in a way of whatever data product you're working with. So I would say that's another good way to think about it is trying to think of Excel as kind of like our front end web development tool or uh, data development tool. And then we have Python databases, whatever in the back end, kind of powering that. Um, I think that was an answer to all the questions. <laughs> all right. So I'm actually going to bring on Hunter Brown from High Point University. Hello. Hello. Good to be here. <laughs> so, Hunter, you are currently developing our Discord server. That's right. Uh, me and George are talking about we're um, kind of getting a little bit old. What is the Discord server? What's the purpose of it? Um, but, I mean, I, I, I get it. Like, I understand that a Discord is a great way to kind of foster community and build connections. Um, so, I guess, walk us through, like, why, because um, you pitched, so for everybody watching, Hunter is my new intern, and uh, I taught him last semester at High Point in my special projects class, um, and it's funny because you actually were like, hey, I want to build an actual Discord server for an organization, and I, th he, I think it makes a lot of sense for what we're doing with the Silver Tony Analytics Learning Platform, the podcast, and then also just kind of creating a community vibe. So we, we want you guys to kind of start connecting with each other and maybe even collaborating on projects. Right. So. Yeah. That's, that's part of why I like about discord is that after we're finished with our live stream events and all that stuff, people can come onto the discord and continue the conversation instead of just having like an, all of a sudden, Oh, video's over. Everybody go home. You can go back over to the discord and really talk with other people who are interested in that same uh, topic. And so I'm actually going to stream it over because it might be easier to uh, to point out some of the usefulness of it if I have it open. Let's see here. Right, because the, the hope was that we – because we, we're getting amazing engagement in terms of the live chat. So I'm, everyone listening now, thank you for tuning in because you guys make the episodes so much better, especially if, like now that we're live streaming. We can like zip you on the screen and say like, oh, that's a good question or that's a good input. Uh, we were hoping that – that interaction would kind of port over to the comment section. But um, Hunter, what you're saying about the YouTube comment section, is just like kind of unsophisticated and not refined. The, the YouTube comment section has remained virtually unchanged since 2008. They, I mean, it's, it's not very interactive. 
you, you scroll down even to viral videos and there's comments with thousands of likes and replies that just are not engaging at all. And so a way to remedy that is to kind of avoid using the comment section for, for um, discussion and more to just use that for, as it, as it says, a comment about the video. And then for discussion, we have like a little bit more of an in-depth look. So this is, this is kind of the, the infrastructure of the discord here. So there's different um, sections in which you can facilitate discussion. So there's text channels and then there's voice channels. And so we use text channels for kind of like, almost like how we do for a, uh, I see Matt Bratton saying it looks like Slack and it's, 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 it does kind of look like Slack. A lot of the, a lot of the text channels <laughs> are, <laughs> are more like, um, like things like teams and whatnot, where you can, uh, easily discuss with other people who are like in your team. Whereas the voice channel is something that's like you, you plan to do something with somebody. So for example, I set up a project collab voice channel. So okay. if there's, if there's people who are, um, they're doing some of their analytics work and they're needing help with something, there can be multiple people in the project collab voice channel um, discussing what they're working on at the same time. And so they can kind of ping pong ideas off of each other. And I, th I think that's a level of engagement that it's, it's really difficult to get um, outside of something like this chord. Now like, is that, that's just uh, voice. On right. That? that Well, well, it, I say that it's just voice, but there's also an ability to stream over your, uh, what you're working on. So almost oh, like, wow. yeah, almost like how we're doing right now with the live stream somebody could be in the voice chat working on something and they say, Hey, I have a question about this. The other person says, Oh, let me see it. And they just stream it over and they can see it in a live feed, what they're working on. And, um, I think that's something that's that specific, uh, that specific, um, example is something that I think is very unique to discord. I don't think there's a lot of other messaging platforms that have something that's that you can just so intuitively, click on, hey, I want to stream this over and just instantly do it. Um, so we just built it out. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say, yeah, someone we, said, I didn't realize there was a Discord channel. Um, uh, actually, Hunter, I mean, do you want to plug it? Like, Yeah, you, yeah, you know what? You I'm going to go ahead and say this. So before, in advance of me giving out the invite link for the Discord, it's not 100% set up. A lot of the, most of it is set up and there's a lot of, the, all the announcements are set up and whatnot. Um, there's just a few tweaks that I still need to make, but I want to go ahead and get the invite link out there. So hopefully we can get some, some discussion going. So this is the link right here. Actually this one right here, not the first one. This one right here is the link. Uh, why don't you copy it and drop it in the chat? Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and do that. I'm going to put it in the YouTube chat right now. And so for everybody who wants to join, that link is permanent. So you can actually invite other people into the discord with using that link. And so there there's, I want to say this to all the people who are joining, please invite as many people as you think would be interested because we're trying to reach a critical mass of 500 uh, participants. Once we reach that number of participants, then we can uh, become a community moderated server and we can actually look at the analytics of our own discord. And we can do our own data analytics for our own Discord. And that is, I think that's just so cool. And so if we can get that going, that would be great. Awesome. Well, Hunter, thank you so much for spinning this up. I mean, I am totally like outside of my depth in terms of, 
I don't, I don't know what any of this stuff means, <laughs> but I mean, I think that um, kind of reflecting on, I'm trying to embody the kind of um, kind of like managers, presidents or C-suite executives that I like to work with, with my consulting agency where like, I'm trying to be forward thinking. So being open to kind of the next um, wave of like new, fresh, young ideas. So thank you so much. This is awesome. Of All course. right. Everyone, now for the Q and A section. Um, I actually, I actually did keep track of uh, some of the questions that we received on YouTube and LinkedIn, by the way. So, um, okay, can you actually can you highlight them? Can you can you do that? So, if you I, if you hover over um, the questions in the chat log, uh-huh. on my end it says it can say show, like you would hit the plus button. I it doesn't do that for me over here. On the, okay, uh, so. Let's see. Yeah, no, it's it's not letting me um, highlight those questions. <laughs> um, okay, well, I guess you can just read them out. But um, yeah, Matt Bratton's already he's uh, ra- <laughs> already on your side. <laughs> Thank you, Matt Bratton. Thank you, Matt Bratton. I 100 percent wholeheartedly agree. I can't. What can I say? <laughs> well, okay. You could give yourself a raise because I am giving you an affiliate link for right. the sales. So, right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, so we have we have the Silvertone <laughs> Analytics course that we're rolling out. Um, I myself, I'm going to be joining that up soon. You use the promo code launch, um, and I'm going to have a link to that in the Discord server. So when you join, uh, you can click on that, and I actually get forty percent of the revenue. So if you want to pay me for the work I've done, you can go ahead and pay John David for his amazing course. Oh, it's two for you. one. <laughs> All right. So what were the uh, questions that, that you tagged? Also, while we're answering these questions, start asking them, I guess, people who are watching the live stream, um, start asking them on LinkedIn and YouTube, and then I can start bringing them into um, the chat. Sure. So this is this is one from LinkedIn from Rajesh Rutre. And it, he was saying, how are income share agreement companies like Lambda Schools for data analytics? That was his question. Ooh, interesting. Uh, so I think this is about many of these coding boot camps. Many of them do the income share agreements. I won't talk as much about the financial arrangements there, uh, but I will say that you can and can't do income share agreements depending on you know what you want to do financially. But as far as the, the content, I'd say it's better than I thought that it would be. You know, I've, I've done some work there. I think that it's a pretty viable maybe not alternative, but a supplement almost to many uh, you know, university or college educations. It's something to look into, you know, depending on how much accountability you need. A lot of this stuff you can learn on your own. Um, but if you want to tap into a learning network, if you want to, you know, have a mentor in the field, I mean, there's a lot to be said for it. Um, so yeah, there's new and increasingly innovative ways to, to learn analytics and some of these coding boot camps, I would say, are a good one. You know, I'm hearing conflicting things about job placement and things like that, but anymore, it's so hard to know what's going on with the job market. I feel like I'm sure many in the audience would agree too. So, um, but as far as the actual learning content, the community, and things like that, uh, yeah, it's worth it's worth looking into for sure. Yeah, I think it's an interesting concept because they have they don't get paid until you land a job, right? 
that is the case for a lot of those uh yeah the income share agreement ones Mm -hmm. so i think that they have to hold themselves to a higher standard to where like um i think a lot of educational institutions are pretty far from the job market it's it's almost like getting back to the origins of higher education which was conspicuous consumption it's like i'm so rich and so well off that i can spend four years of my prime in life studying a dead language that I'm never going to use because that's how important I am. (laughs) It's interesting because I I think that 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 concept's way completely on the opposite side of that. Um, Also, Hunter, did you see that question from Abe? Yeah. um, If you already registered for the Silvertone, will Discord be in your account page? We can get that set up so that it appears there. Um, At the moment, it doesn't. So we'll we'll work on that and make sure that you have – the, the link available to that, you. Yeah, I guess that was a question that was more of a suggestion. <laughs> so yes. Yeah. The yeah answer we, is we yes will get eventually. that. That's a great that's a great <laughs> idea. Thank you so much. Awesome. Did you have um yeah so we had another question. Um this was from Livingstone B. Acoma. And he asked what how do you best unblur the lines between a data analyst versus a data science role? Uh, We did talk about that somewhat. So uh, a common way to think about this is that data analysts often work a little more in the business setting. Uh, They may think more about um, operations and marketing and things like that and have more role going there. Whereas data science people think more as IT kind of engineering people, again, you know, a lot of these lines are starting to really blur and be hard to make the distinction. And another way to think about this is that data analysts are often more in the uh, exploratory, explanatory, descriptive parts of analytics, right? They may look at data in the past and think, oh, hey, you know, look, uh, comedy sold really well over this holiday weekend in movie rentals or something like that, right? So kind of doing that backward-facing analysis, working with the marketing people and you know, why might that be? You know, is this, hey, finance, is this a good offer to make? You know, pri- all that pricing, modeling, things like that. Um, and then the data science people are going to be the ones who actually build the predictive systems, right? Oh, hey, you might want to run a, a comedy this weekend sort of a thing. So they're really engineering those predictive solutions, um, but like I said, you know, a lot of places, data scientists, data analysts, marketing, IT are all working in one pod together on, you know, like the recommendation system or whatever customer touch point there is. But those are the the broad overlines. I mean, like in the book, like I said, you'll learn a little bit of what could be called data science, um, but a lot of data an- analytics as well. So that's how I think of those t- distinctions. Yeah. And you may want to ask yourself, like, what makes you curious because i'm actually i have george i'm so glad that you're on because you're curious about coding and statistics i have like very have i haven't like hardly any interest in that but i mean that's good because it's like if we were in a team or pod together that that's a clearly defined i i would study the business use case of like all right how are we going to use data to drive the kpis what is what is the overall strategy here because that's really what i geek out on is um, developing revenue streams, kind of pro- product market fit, understanding like the marketplace and like, are there any cycles or seasonality with it? Um, I'm kind of, yeah, I'm kind of like a business nerd with um, a tool set that's like 
well, I, I guess it's high level analytics. And then I know how to, I have a bunch of, you know, like Shashank coming in and doing sentiment analysis for the feedback data. I mean, like I know, I know how to pull um, data scientists to, to kind of implement on a solution, but okay. So it, Marshall Turner, I'm glad you stuck around. So I'm looking to get Marshall asks, I'm looking to get into the, to a data analyst role for over a year now. At this point, I've learned SQL, Python, Tableau, Power BI, and am now web scraping with Selenium for a capstone project. Should I learn more of machine learning and R, or should I focus on Alteryx SAP to be more marketable? That was a mouthful. There's a lot to unpack there, but um, George, what's your first kind of stab at this? Uh, Well, I guess I will say that individual results may vary. Uh, secondly, going back to the idea of what interests you more, all of these sound pretty valuable to me. I'm hearing about Alteryx a lot more and more. Um, I hear about machine machine learning and R obviously a lot. Um, I think that if you get into machine learning and R, you want to think about um, some of these business skills more than traditionally. You know, from what I'm hearing getting kind of the vanilla data scientist junior role can be pretty hard these days. You have to think more of, of as like a product manager, as a data engineer. So thinking about other elements of the, the data pipeline. Um, but again, I think it really just goes to what are, what do you like to do? Um, yeah. I hope that's not too weenie of an answer, but I, I do mean it. I'm, I'm also kind of curious to kind of psychoanalyze the way that this question was formed at this point, I've learned SQL, Python, Tableau, Power BI, and now web scraping. I've been in this space for, I would say, five or six years now. And I have and I, I don't feel like I've learned all of those yet. I mean, what, what, like, what, what does that mean, I guess, George, to kind of like pick the bone from this? Like, what does it mean to learn a platform? Is that like I've had three classes on this? Does it mean that like I know where the buttons are or does it mean – because in my, I guess maybe we have a different or a divergent definition of what learned is. Because like for me, it's like oh, I've of those, I've only learned really Tableau and, and Power BI because I've used those to drive like revenue, either either revenue cut cost or reduce risk. Those are kind of the big three outcomes. What what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I guess that's a valid instrument. If, if you can make money from them, then you've <laughs> learned it. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it is in, in the space of a year. I mean, I like the idea of, of diversifying and cross-training. I would say that, you know, learning SQL is is great. Um, you know, Tableau and Power BI, uh, you can kind of pick, uh, knowing a little bit of the, the dashboard and BI space is good. Um, so... Yeah, I, I guess there. I, I like the the diversified thinking, but you know there may be some places to uh, specialize at the same time. So I guess it's again going back to that T shaped analogy, and uh, you know picking the places that you want to be stronger. And I don't think that anybody could be super strong in those after you know a year, let alone like three or four. Um, but as far as you know the next steps, I would say, like I said, you know these are all valuable skills. And if, you know, you're thinking like a business person, you're able to, you know, communicate what you're doing and uh, drive value in that sense, then, you know, any of these, any of these tools are, are important and valuable. 
I've actually got a pro tip for you, Marshall. What you may want to do is start to look out on the job marketplace and identify maybe three jobs that would be good and maybe one that's like your ideal and then use the skill set, use the skills listed as kind of your blueprint. Um, Cool. So Marshall is actually responding. So Marshall says, I've created many dashboards for Tableau and Power BI. I've taught myself Python for over a year now. I've worked with SQL for over three years now and a level of proficiency, I'd say. You know what? I'm actually, as I was saying that about like learn, I think the the term I'm looking for is like mastery. Like, because I think that if you're coming out of a program or school, they're just looking for like an entry level, which is different than, you know, I charge 175 an hour for my time consulting. So this, these are completely different frames. So I think that is valid. So if you've if you've been practicing and using it and you at least have a functional knowledge, it's the difference of I'm going to pay you this this huge budget to get this implemented versus um, can you hit the ground running as an entry level analyst and I don't have to train you on absolutely everything. Yeah. yeah All right. There. <laughs> so we one? have, yeah, we have, uh, that actually answered Kunai's E's question sort of because uh, they were asking about Altrix for uh, freshers and you kind of touched on that a little bit, I think. So um, we can move on. I, Abe Diaz had another question. He said, would you consider someone an analyst if they just use Excel? He said he might uh, interview for a financial analyst job next month, and Excel is the main tool he uses. Yeah, finance is interesting because they're really behind the times. <laughs> I think of Excel, uh, and for as much as I was a big fan of Excel earlier, I do think that using just Excel, you're really limiting your your tool set, just as we've talked about too. Um, but as far as can you be an analyst and just use Excel? Um, I would, I would say so. I mean, I guess, you know, of course I'm going to have to rhetorically ask, what do you mean by analyst? Um, but you can obviously using the metrics we've talked about driving business value, uh, using Excel, it's just a matter of, uh, you know, if you have a guitar, would you rather have two strings on your guitar or six strings on your guitar? You're going to play a lot more notes and make better sound when you've got a fuller range of, uh, music there uh, so that that's the way that i think about it but yeah like i said i think ex- uh, finance is a good place if you are into this and technical skills and you enjoy learning how to code and uh building these data products that it's a cool one to get into because a lot of finance departments are really behind the times that's one of my places i worked in finance and that was a big reason i did get into analytics because i thought man like we could be doing so much better than what we're doing uh in excel and this was like pre-power query so if you can imagine how old school that was uh Um, but yeah, yeah. So that's my that's my take on that. Any thoughts there, John David? Um, so Abe, I've actually got a little anecdote to share with you. So someone that graduated a few years ahead of me in my MBA program um, was I mean I haven't talked to him in a while. It's been a couple of years now. But last I talked to him, he was a senior analyst and he worked I think solely in Excel. So I, I would say absolutely yes. You can, I mean, he, this is what the work would look like, I guess, to give you kind of a snapshot of what your near future might look like is that it's like he would have, I don't know, 16 sheets within Excel and it'd be like these nested equations. Um, 
And, and what's funny is that, like, we talked a lot about the strengths of Excel. Excel is like, you know, the pocket knife where it's got like all the functionality. The biggest weakness of Excel is also its strength in that it's so customizable that if you put in an, a, an O instead of a zero, that might be worth $2 million of overbilling a client. And that actually happened to this guy that I know, and he almost lost his job. So, um, it, yes, you can, but I just kind of wanted to paint a little bit of a picture of what that might look like. If you like digging around in spreadsheets in Excel, by all means, I mean, I think he was making like $75,000, which is a lot of money in Greensboro. So, yeah, it, it, is, it is interesting, George, that the finance industry is way behind in terms of you think that they would be way ahead. Yeah, money. well, I guess a lot of what they do may be well suited to Excel. So I'm thinking about you know pro forma and building those theoretical forecasts where you don't really have any data, so you're just kind of making it up. So financial modeling, I think, is actually pretty well suited to Excel. Uh, but the problem is that there's a lot of that routine reporting. So you know, doing your month end statements and you know pulling in journal entries and stuff like that that could easily be automated. I just feel like all, there's just such a dependency on Excel. I think because again, you're using it for one use case, financial modeling, there's just a, an impression and an expectation that it's going to be used for everything, right? So people just expect to see things in Excel. So there's definitely some training and some culture there. Um, you know, Power Query, Power BI, all these Microsoft tools are, are really great for helping with some of that. And then, yeah, if learning how to code, I mean, cause there's, a, I mean, finance is a big, big word too, right? Because I'm thinking more of the, kind of like corporate finance, financial analyst kind of role where you're at a big company, you're kind of in that finance department. But then, yeah, like finance in terms of uh, day trading and things like that. I mean, they're super sophisticated with all this data stuff. So there's a pretty broad spectrum, but I think most people are, would end up more as a corporate finance person. I don't know if anybody here is a, is a high speed frequency trader. We'd love to hear from you now, but uh, that's, that's it. <laughs> Cool. All right. Well, with that, uh, that is all the questions that we got. So awesome. Well, George, I'll let you plug yourself one last time. Advancing into analytics. Yeah. So um, I'm going to put a uh, promo code here in the chat, um, and maybe Hunter can make sure I do this right. We have see. to have our Zoomer on call for uh, tech things. Uh, <laughs> so this is going to be a link. You can go uh, use this link. This is going to give you a 30 day trial to O'Reilly Online Learning. So this is the publisher's learning platform. It's got all sorts of content, webinars, books, not just O'Reilly content. A lot of the big tech publishers have it. Uh, you can use that link. Um, that'll get you 30 days. You will find my book on here. So you can read this for free. You get a whole month to read this on the house. Uh, please leave a review if you do. It helps a ton. Uh, but I hope people can use that and, and check it out and, uh, it helps you on your analytics learning journey. And that's, um, that's my big call to action. Before you, before you leave, I am not actually seeing the link. So where did you post that at? I put that on the YouTube chat and I will try to do that internally here too. Okay. Cause if you post it here, then I can make sure it gets in the YouTube chat. So perfect. Yes. We go. It is in the chat on our side as well now. Okay. We, What's funny is like now we have two more questions. Do you, do you have time for two more? Or do you want to you want to sign off? I can hang around. Okay. All right. So, um, 
Hardik, Hardik. I, sorry, I'm, I'm, trying, I'm probably butchering that name. It says, hello, George. I'm a business analyst right now, and I want to move into data science. What all should I focus on? Yeah, well, I guess it goes again to what do you like to do? And maybe if we talked about the psychoanalysis, why do you want to be a data scientist? I think a lot of the reason people want to be a data scientist is that it pays really well. Um, so, you know, if you can think about why is it, why is it paying really well? You know, what are the, what are the reasons? Um, maybe some of it's just hype that the title is cool, but you know, a lot of the, the reason is that you're able to use data to improve decision-making and, you know, use that data as a, as an asset. So, you know, are there things as a business analyst that a data scientist could help with, you know, going to this idea of cross-functional teams? I think that there are probably places where business analysts and data scientists work together to build some kind of a data product, right? Requirements gathering and, you know, working on the, the specs and the scopes. So if there are things that you can, you know, bring from data science, into what you're doing now, I mean, that's a great way because I'm seeing more and more of these cross-functional roles like uh, product managers that work with data science or, you know, engineers that work with data science, things like that. Um, and then as far as like the tools, you know, oh, should I learn Python or R and should I learn Power BI or Tableau or whatever? Again, <laughs> I hate to sound like a broken record, but, you know, whichever one you like more, I mean, they're all very valuable. So I'm not, and I cannot do good, very well with uh, arbitrage and predicting of what tools and techniques are going to really take off. Um, I, you know, kind of think more holistically about broader categories and, and you know which ones to learn there. So that that's my answer. I hope it helps in some some ex, uh, to some extent. We've got uh, our guest from next week chiming in to uh, grill me on my pronunciation. Yeah. <laughs> so um, John is, and also um, I, apparently I totally butchered his. I said John Thompson in the previous stream, and I'm probably going to John Weininger is the manager at Home Depot and. He's actually going to be doing a mock interview with Abe Diaz next week. Oh, cool. So we're going to be kind of doing like a sports cat. Well, I should say they've already recorded a Zoom um, interview, and then he's going to give kind of meta commentary like a sportscaster. So if you guys are still on the stream, tune in next week for that. But I thought that was kind of funny that uh, John's uh, giving me a hard time over here. <laughs> All right, we've got uh, – Real see. quick, real quick, if I could interject – um, okay. I, I believe the links are not showing up in the live chat. I think that's a YouTube side thing. I don't think there's much we can do about that. But the links to his course will probably be – we'll probably add it to the description or comments of this video. And then it's also linked in the Discord if you want to check that out later. Okay, perfect. So, man. All right. So similar to Marshall, I'm transitioning into a data analyst role from a non-analytics field – and I'm starting out by taking the Google Analytics course. Uh, what would you advise my next step be? Did you hear me, George? Wait, am I muted? You might be. Oh, I can hear you. George, can, can you hear us? Yes, yeah. Okay. Um, so this person is transitioning into um, the analytics field from a non-analyst position. Um, they're starting out with the Google data analytics course. Uh, what, what should their next steps be? Yeah. Um, so again, this idea of open sourcing knowledge, right? 
uh, you know, making it painfully evident what, what you can do, uh, you know, finding some of these data sets and just working through them and, you know, learning how to, to write and communicate your, your thinking, um, blogging is really where I got everything in terms of my career. And I think that it's a powerful tool, regardless of whether you want to be a blogger full time or, you know, just become a, a data analyst or, or what have you. So I would say that that next step is really being pretty uh, open source minded of, of what you know. Um, you know, I'm not as familiar with uh, Google's data analytics suite, but I've only heard, you know, good things. So that's a great place to start. And uh yeah, I guess that's my overall, you know, take on, on next step is just to publicize, right. It's, it's marketing. Um, so marketing that you've done that. All right. So I'm going to take a stab at pronouncing this name. Ole Inca. Um, my advice would be to build out a portfolio. So start, start getting some data wherever you can. And I think the kind of easiest path forward is to, to, to learn Tableau, you can learn Tableau in two days. Um, you can download Tableau Public for free. Then you can take that data, visualize it, and then post it to Tableau Public. And um, if I don't know if you've seen any of our previous episodes, but um, Hunter was actually interviewed uh, by Danny Lauer, who is a senior product manager at Amazon. And uh, he said that he just hired an entry-level analyst for his team, and they looked at her Tableau Public portfolio. So it's um, that is George kind of piggybacking off your point of yeah. branding. Um, what you can do is you, it's better than telling someone that hey, I know skill, I have, I know these skills. It's like it's showing them and then breaking down. It's a c- great conduit for you to uncover your thought process. And it's like not even that you have to think right, but it's they understand that you have that critical thinking ability, which I think is, I mean, it's 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 almost like magic at this point, like. How do you uncover critical thinking? You know, I mean, from an education or interview standpoint. Wait, was it? Wasn't there one more question? Yeah, I think so. All right. So Krishna Kumar asks, "I'm right now studying data science program. Previously, I have a IoT field for six years. I don't have a program knowledge right now. I want to change my career into the data field. How can I survive here? And how can I get a job?" Is there any like potential or I guess market um, kind of readiness and how do I carve a path? Yeah, so I get so IoT, I don't know if that's Internet of Things, maybe. Um, again, you know, similar idea here rather than you going to the data science, trying to bring the data science to you. And, you know, how would data science, how would a data scientist help what your role already is and just doing their work for, for them and, you know, making that hybrid role. Um, so that's how I would suggest. Um, and then again, you know, portfolios we've talked about. So a lot of those, um, a lot of the standard career kind of ideas that we've mentioned uh, apply here as well. Yeah. I mean, it's, it sounds like, um, the recurring theme that I'm seeing is like, ref- see what you want, maybe experiment, try a few different things. Um, Cause like how to pave your path in a space. Um, there's not like a cookie cutter uniform approach to that. It's like, it's going to be messy and you're going to have to experiment and you may have some failures and you, 
and it and it, you know you may be bummed you may you may kind of like go down a path and realize because i mean that happened with me i before i went back and got my mba i sold insurance for three years and that was um that provoked an existential crisis it was rough <laughs> selling door to door yeah yeah so i would say that in terms of this idea of technical skills so it's not really the best approach to think hey i'm going to become an expert in excel or an expert in tableau and just advertise hey i'm really good at tableau i'm really good at excel um you want to diversify a bit more have that t-shaped skill set so you are able to build more holistic data products at the same time you know building out your uh conceptual and communication abilities and you know building a portfolio is a great way to do that you know showing that you can actually teach people how to do this too. I mean, a lot of technical people are not good at communicating what they do. If you can share that you do that, there's always going to be a place for you in some capacity. Um, so, you know, building that portfolio and really making a great communicative case for what you're doing and why and what the value is and things like that. So um, for as much as the the topic today has been how to build analytics techniques there, you know, I have a pretty strong a uh, couple of uh, caveats and additional uh context and things like that alongside of you know just going really deep into one topic i i would definitely not say you know just spend your next year just learning everything you know about excel that's pro- probably not a great approach to get into data and that could be said for any of these tools that we've talked about too all right. All right. Cool. It sounds like we're now having all the questions flow in, which is awesome. Um, so Tariq Av asks, hi, George, um, as a data starter, how do you network and are there any ta- activities that I can join? I guess like any groups or any like uh, community events. Um, he says, I feel like Kaggle is great, but we still need to work on some kind of collaborative project. Yeah, I saw the little mic drop from Hunter just now. So I think that the aforementioned Discord sounds like a good start. Tableau <laughs> um, Public, John David has talked about. Um, you know, there's that Makeover Monday community for data visualization that that would be great to learn that element. So um, there are there are some great great communities out there. Um, yeah, Kaggle too. If you want to get more into data science, so I guess you know not to. <laughs> go over this again, but it kind of depends what, what you're interested in. And then there are some great, great resources. But I would say regardless of whatever data specialty you're going for, uh, the the Discord thing that Hunter's starting up sounds like a great start. Um, also, Ken G actually has the hashtag six, 66 days of data. Oh, uh, yeah. So that's another community um, event. And, and it's funny because I'm starting to see how valuable – those are because I think that a lot of people trying to get into the analytics space are they 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 want to just do their work kind of in the back room and not socialize enough. So these community events kind of buck that trend and it forces them to go and interact with people. Um, also, too, like um, Tarek, posting on LinkedIn regularly is a great way to build your network. It's like maybe build out a Tableau public page or maybe even just take a screenshot of like a dashboard you did in Excel and people are going to comment and then you can kind of start to network and build connections that way. Cause who knows, maybe a year and a half or two years from now, the person that you've been bantering back and forth with on LinkedIn might have a job and then all of a sudden a position opens up in their team and you have some like 
relationship built up and then you're kind of an easy shoe in for that position. And uh, real quick, um, I think Olayinka had wanted to get uh, specifically a recommendation on what uh, their next step should be. So they, I know you guys kind of touched on that question earlier, but like after the Google data analytics course that they're taking, what, what, where should they go next? Um, yeah. Uh, well, my answer was da- um, download Tableau public, find a data set to analyze and build out a Tableau public portfolio. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm wondering is, if they're looking for another course um, which I mean, shameless plug here, we are building a learning platform that specializes in building out Tableau public portfolios. So, um, if you check out learn.silvertoneanalytics.com, you can enter in the promo code launch for 50% off. So we're still actively building out this platform now. Um, all right, I guess let's wrap up with this question. George, do you know much, much about ERP? Not so much. Okay. Hmm. Maybe we should pivot to this question then. I'm not sure about that acronym either. Oh, you don't know what I, uh, I think that's IT. That's a master's in IT management. Oh, okay. Information technology, something. Okay. Um, yeah, it's hard for me to say. Um, I don't, I just don't know enough about that field or specialty. All right. Actually, let's close out on this specific conversation, um, from our super, very own super fan, Abe Diaz. So he said, find a data set you're interested in. I'm going to pivot that frame and say, how do you go about finding data sets? Do you have any advice on that? So it sounds like Kaggle's one. Yeah. Um, so UC Irvine has a great machine learning repository. You don't necessarily have to do machine learning on it. Um, if you've ever used Google's own data set search tool, that's pretty cool. Um, another one that's great is, uh, God, what is that newsletter? Um, of course, I'm forgetting it, the name now. There is a, a weekly newsletter that brings a lot of uh, un- unique data sets together. But of course, I can't remember the name now. Uh, but yeah, there, there's. I think those are more than enough of a start for you. So uh, what what is like? Because I've heard of the the Kaggle. What is it? The Titanic data set. Yeah, I know that's like the the. Because I'm not a coder, but I know that's like what everyone uses to what train their first algorithm. Uh-huh. Right. Um, do, so how does Kaggle work? Are there multiple data sets? Like, do people post data sets, or is it just like created curated by Kaggle themselves? So they can be user generated. Uh, some of the big ones are brought from companies and are used, are meant to be used in the context of the competition. In okay. some cases, you will need to use them for a competition, and it's almost kind of like an NDA sort of a thing where you're not really supposed to use it outside of that purpose. But a lot of them are pretty much open source, you know, use it for for whatever you want. Um, the data is plural is the name of this newsletter that okay. goes out every week. And it just has a lot of interesting data sets uh, mailed to you. So, you know, just look through it every week and see if something sounds interesting. Uh, yeah. And that, that is data is plural.com with dashes. 
Oh, so I haven't talked about this in a long time. It's funny because I've I was yeah, very yeah. very active in the Tableau. I actually ran the the Tableau meetup group in Greensboro for a few years. But Makeover Monday is a fantastic yeah. resource. I mean, they've got a huge amount of data sets, and then I think they I'm not sure if there's yeah they're still doing a, a weekly challenge. And I guess they pick the winner. But I mean, this is a great way. Uh, it seems like Tableau has done a fantastic job of building a community around the product. Um, so by all means, take advantage and find some data sources within Makeover Monday. But on that note, I think we are oh, officially going to close out the live stream. Thank you so much, George. How can people find you? Just Is LinkedIn the best way to connect? Yeah, they can find me there. Uh, they can go to my website, which is stringfestanalytics.com. Um, the, yeah, I gave the link for the book. So, uh, yeah, check that out too. You got the promo code. You can read it for free. You know, if, if you want to get your own paperback, you're certainly welcome to do that too. Um, wherever you read it, you know, please le do leave a review that helps a lot. Um, you know, in terms of promotion and this one also increases likelihood that I can write another one and answer maybe some of these questions in a later book. So that's all from me. And thank you, John, David, and Hunter. Uh, best of luck with the Discord and the course and all the things that, that you all have cooking over here. Very exciting. Awesome. Thank well, you so much. Yeah, it's always a pleasure to, to chat for sure. We'll, we'll have to come have you back on when you come out with your next book, which I know is probably going to be coming out sometime. Well, <laughs> yeah, I can't say anything on the record, but that might happen someday. <laughs> all right. Well, you have a good rest of your day. See you. Thank you. Hey, I hope you really enjoyed this episode. I'm curious, were there any valuable insights or lessons that you learned? One thing that could hugely help us out is if you just took 30 seconds and left us a review with a little blurb about what you learned. Thank you so much for your time and attention, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Hey, I hope you really enjoyed this episode. I'm curious, were there any valuable insights or lessons that you learned? One thing that could hugely help us out is if you just took 30 seconds and left us a review with a little blurb about what you learned. Thank you so much for your time and attention, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day.